Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. And today we're going to be continuing on with the Gunslinger, starting with Section 5. Take it away, Kev. Section 5, alright. So, from the beginning, uh, you know, as last week we were talking about how, you know, maybe the Gunslinger was more attached to the mule than we, uh, than we thought. Uh, starts <laughs> off talking about when he first bought the mule. Uh, he bought the mule in Pricetown, and when he reached Tull, it was still fresh. So... Basically, number one, the thing that is definitely, you know, going to pop out at us is the, uh, what is it? Uh, he was guided by the town glow in the sky and then by the uncannily clear notes of a honky-tonk piano playing Hey Jude. So <laughs> our first Beatles song, the reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a little incongruous for an Old West setting. So definitely, uh, you know, definitely some, some weirdness going on. Yeah, I, I remember when I was listening to it, I'm like, okay, so this is happening on Earth. And at least after 1967, when was Hey Jude recorded? 69? Yeah. I don't know. It's so, somewhere in there. So. It was like between proper albums. Call it 68. <laughs> uh, of course, Hey Jude has a big uh, part of our hearts. Our, our mother's name was Judy. She passed away and... 2014 but that was uh it's always a an important song whenever it comes on i think of my mom so when when we were when i was reading this i'm like really hey jude even in this <laughs> book my my goodness we can't mm. get away from it so hi mom i know you're you're, you're seeing us <laughs> 1968 is correct by the way so yeah. i yes and uh yeah definitely uh hey jude is a an Ackerman family song, um, one of many, um, but yeah, <laughs> so he hears this song, so it automatically it snaps the viewer out of any kind of assumptions that we may have had as to whether or not this is some sort of an Old West situation. I mean, obviously, when you're reading the 2003 version, you know, we've got the Tahin that popped by, we've got what else has happened thus far uh talking about uh many holy men who uh are always looking for holes between the worlds and there are travelers so maybe hey jude came through one of these holes in the world who knows so could be could be also you know could be earth uh at some point after 1968 uh and <laughs> some sort of a some sort of cataclysm may have happened. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I think we were talking about that last time. That's, this seems a little post-apocalyptic. So. Post-apocalyptic is a good word for it, yeah. So, at the very least, forests had been long gone. Uh, let's see. A lot of... Let's see. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, the gunslinger is going by all of these... Small towns, deserted estates guarded by brooding shadowed mansions where demons undeniably walked, leering empty shadows where the people had either moved on or been moved along, an occasional dweller's hovel given away by a single flickering point of light in the dark, or by sullen inbred clans toiling silently in the fields day by day. This is such like uh, dark and sort of the hills have eyes kind of desert area where yeah. sullen inbred clans are toiling in the fields. It's just very sort of uh, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of language going on. It seems right. very like a place where a traveler would get, you know, trapped and kidnapped and murdered. So this is a <laughs> this is not a place for the faint of heart. You need to be you uh, a, you need to be uh, a strong character to just casually walk through this type of uh, terrain. Yeah, definitely seem like that. Got to be on your toes at all time, like the the land the time forgot. You know. Exactly. Yes. So talks about you know ugly countryside walking by uh another change we've got in the new version is corn was the main crop but there were also beans and also some poke berries nick what do you think poke berries are <laughs> yeah i noticed that difference it, it's funny how there's just like little words or changes i think it was peas in the original yeah. Uh, yeah, they took out peas, tossed in poke berries. Very strange. But I guess trying to make it a little bit more otherworldly, a little bit less rooted in on Earth. So it seems like we're definitely pushing past the idea that this is just a straight Western. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I am still curious. What is your guess as to what poke berries are? Well, poke berry... <laughs> I've got a bunch of them in my backyard. They make me think of blackberries because, boy, those thorns are terrible, and they sure will poke you. <laughs> so that, right. that's what I thought. Maybe, maybe just another name for a blackberry or just something not of this world at all, but mm. something that probably is uh, tough and able to grow in this really unforgiving landscape. You know. Mm. So just like the people there are also tough and able to grow in this unforgiving landscape. Gotcha. Do you want me to tell you what what pokeberries are? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So a pokeberry is this round, soft fruit with a, sort of a fuzzy skin on the outside, kind of like uh, a kiwi. Except when you bite into it, it tastes kind. Of, it has this umami kind of flavor, almost like uh, uh, but it has a texture kind of like a muffin. So it's a very weird kind of fruit. So uh, and even fruit is kind of. Uh, a loose term for it but yeah it's it's a very sort of almost a fantasy type thing okay so yeah. taste a fruit that tastes like meat basically mm-hmm. savory fruit <laughs> well maybe savory is the wrong word but it's definitely has the texture of sort of a muffin but yeah is it so really, is it that important or it is the answer is no it is not <laughs> <laughs> Well, because sometimes, I'm, it, you know, whenever I read something for the first time, I'm reading it like really, you know, in depth and thinking to myself, maybe these things I'm worrying about right now will never come up again. But I do get fixated will. like that as well. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. All right. So basically, it was ugly country. Uh, it had uh, rained twice since he left Christtown. Uh, grudgingly both times even the Timothy looked yellow and dispirited ugly country he had seen no sign of the man in black perhaps he took a coach so he continues on walking and walking and he comes across this town and he comes across this town with a you know uh, he took past a chewed sign which said tall and just uh, I love that uh even the, the the sign leading towards Tull looks like it's been bitten and chewed up and swallowed. So it's a very mm-hmm. kind of uh, a rough area. So, da, 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 da. so yeah, keeps walking. I want, and I want to mention. Hmm? Can I can I go back to one thing? Because it go said ahead. that he uh, da, 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 it said something about how he had left the forest. 
That's true, so, yeah. The forests so, were long gone now. So it seems like the, the ecosystem is changing, as, and it, I believe he's moving in the southern direction. So hmm. it's like going from Washington to California and then down yeah. into Mexico. <laughs> Makes that's, sense. That's what yeah. I'm imagining. I could see that. And actually a change in the the new version is I think now he's going southeast instead of I just did going notice due that. south. Yeah. Yeah. That was So an interesting little you know, a little change that, you know, may come up uh further later on. So as we said, there's a a chewed sign that says toll and he comes across the the uh the honky-tonk piano in a honky-tonk. So I guess honky-tonk is just another word for a bar, kind of. Uh, you know, they're singing the last lyric of Hey Jude, na 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 etc. And mm-hmm. he walks into this town, and it just sounds like the absolute worst place you would ever want to be. Like, <laughs> not only are is the land unforgiving, it's this... All of the buildings are slightly crooked and fallen apart. All of the people just seem to be really mean and don't really want him there. And everything seems to be just sort of the bleakest version of an Old West town. Uh, let's see. Three old well, ladies the... are three old ladies I are walking the... by uh, and they've got these very, like, uh, interesting... Uh, their faces seem to swim above their all but invisible bodies like huge pallid baseballs with eyes just uh, not only saying that you know they're shrouded all in black but even their heads seem to be just sort of tiny and round and uh, it just seems like a very not only judgmental but a very kind of a unpleasant characterization of the just the people that we first see as we walk in as uh, the gunslinger walks into town you were say so, uh, well, I was just gonna say back to honky tonk piano. That yeah. always makes me think of sort of uh, fast paced. So like he's mm. doing a version of Hey Jude that's a little more, you know, lilty and fast paced. And it seems like it's trying to. This seems like a very depressing town, and mm. this piano and this this bar is like the one place where they can kind of lift their spirits a little bit, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> That and also because it's in the only place in town that seems to have any kind of levity, it almost seems to have this frantic kind of people. It's it's this frantic kind, as you said. You know, honky tonk is sort of a fast paced, jangly kind of music. So it almost seems like these people are kind of drinking away their sorrows, and they're it's, there's this. I forget if it's a it's a painting or a story, but I just have this image in my head of people uh, dancing during the Black Death and sort of <laughs> this image of uh, people kind of trying to forget their sorrows around them by going into this uh, escapism kind of in uh, that they find in this music. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, let's see. He sees a few people... Solemn old man with a straw hat, a scrawny tailor with a late customer, uh, gunslinger nodded, nobody nods back. Uh, he, he could feel their eyes resting heavily on the low-slung holsters that lay against his hips. So not only does everybody seem to be kind of 
angry and unwelcoming, but it also may in fact be because they see that he's carrying these huge uh, guns on his hips as well. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that before that not not maybe mean isn't the right word. Maybe more like wary. They're just mm. a little nervous of the gunslinger because he's got guns, and maybe he's exactly. not the first the first gunslinger to ever come into this. Also town. possible. Also possible. So, let's see. Even the little kids that he comes across playing a game of marbles, uh, most of them seem to be just sort of sullen and unwelcoming as well. But, let's see. Oh, no, that's not here yet. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, sees the kids playing marbles. All right. So, he then he comes across a guy that he can uh, basically leave his mule behind to kind of get fed and watered and everything. And let's see. Even the, the entire conversation is just brimming with hostility. Uh, I ain't got no change for gold. I'm not asking uh -huh. for any. Blood money. The hostler mu muttered. What? Nothing. The hostler cut the mule's bridle and let him inside. So clearly, not only is it just the guns themselves that people are nervous about, but they think he's some sort of a mercenary who's been, you know, hired to kill people. And let's see. I think this is another. Oh, yeah. Here's another change. Here's another change that uh, in the new version, instead of blood money, he calls it shoot up money. So ah. just to, you know, not really a big change, but just sort of shades of meaning we're we're talking here so right. uh again we've got another time that let's see so basically the guy agrees to hold his mule for a while uh gunslinger says you know maybe a day a night or two uh and then after walking away from that uh a change from old version to new version in the original, it says, hey, how they hanging? And it sounds just as cringy as, you know, an old person going up to a group of kids and saying, hello, fellow kids. And <laughs> it just, it doesn't, it doesn't come across well. Immediately, you almost sympathize with the kids for being like, oh, go away, old man. Uh, <laughs> but in the new version, we've got another appearance of one of our favorite uh, expressions here, long days and pleasant nights. But yes. again, no re no reply. So clearly, they do not wish him to have twice uh, twice, twice the, number. the number. May yeah. you have twice the number, Kev. <laughs> May you as well. So, let's see. We continue. Little kids are playing their game of marbles. Gunslingers asking some questions, just trying to get a feel for the town. Is there a restaurant? Is there a cafe? Uh, and then finally, uh, one of the kids, the youngest, looks up. And he's got a huge cold sore at the corner of his mouth, but his eyes were still ingenious. And he says, might get a burger, Chibs. Is that the honky-tonk? The, the boy nodded, but didn't speak. The eyes of his play playmates had turned ugly and hostile. Uh, so, Gunslinger touches his hat, says, I'm grateful. It's good to know somebody in this town is bright enough to talk. And <laughs> walks away, and another kid uh, yells back, uh... As soon as he leaves, weed eater, how long have you been screwing your sister, Charlie? Weed eater. So 
definitely little kids have kind of learned and absorbed the hostility of this town just to and they're just yelling at him you know offensive things as he walks away but clearly so so they were calling so they were calling the gunslinger weed eater interesting see that's what i always assumed but then in the new version it says then the sound of a blow and a cry so maybe the maybe they're what who they're actually yelling at is yelling at the kid who talked to him and then they punch him and he cries out in pain so there's another like slight change but kind of showing that any sign of pleasantness and welcoming is being squashed out immediately by this town Mm-hmm. And and also the term weed eater is a derogatory term. You know? Exactly. Good to know. Weed eater, very scumbag. derogatory. Scumbag, Ooh. exactly. Sort of a, <laughs> you know, let's see, what's another wino or something like that. A clearly derogatory term for somebody who's, uh, you know, burnout, stuff like that. So right, let's right. see. So Gunslinger goes into Shibs. They finished up Hey Jude, uh, moved on to another song. There's a few people there. A gummy mirror behind it reflecting the piano player. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, this all seems more or less the same. Um, Bartender was a straw-haired woman wearing a dirty blue dress. One strap was held on with a safety pin. There were perhaps six townies in the back room, juicing and playing Watch Me apathetically. So... Uh, at this point, uh, what do you think Watch Me is? Some sort of card game? Yeah, basically. It's sort of like, kind of like Jin, I assume, where at some point somebody says, Watch Me, and he matched three three hearts with four spades, emptying his hand. So, seems kind of Jin-ish. Uh, was, uh, Kevin, you're, you're holding the original, right? I'm holding the original, correct. Okay, what, so, all right. I thought for some reason I, I didn't see safety pin in the original, but it was always there. But that was made me think of um, just a little symbolism that kind of this woman is just being held together loosely by, you know, it's it, there's been a lot of things going on in her life and she's just barely holding it together, just like her dress with the safety pin. Totally agree. Yeah, this woman is... Her bar is just some sawdust planks. Uh, not sawdust. Uh, hang on. It's, it's, it's saw, planks on, a, on saw horses. Planks on saw horses, exactly. So clearly very... this isn't, uh, you know, mahogany bar. This is nothing like what we see in Back to the Future 3. This is as rough <laughs> and tumble as it gets. Uh, yeah. Also another one. Voices murmured like broken threads. She's being held together by a safety pin. This entire town is just being barely held together at the seams so mm-hmm. let's see um let's see four or five at the bar another half dozen are grouped loosely by the piano so we've got you know a solid 20 people or so 15 20 people at this bar um gunslinger went in you've got the uh archetypical uh stereotypical moment of the Cowboy walks into the bar, pushes both bat wings open. It's dark on the inside. It's bright outside because there's no internal lighting. Everybody turns to look at him. And we're clearly playing on these uh, Western archetypes and kind of showing that the gunslinger is 
sort of uh this is something that i love about stephen king because he's kind of going on images that you already have in your mind but then and the characterization he builds up all of these characters so that they're much more than what you assume or what you see in western movies and stuff like that hmm. so let's see gunslinger walks up to the bartender he asks for some hamburger and she says uh you know it's dear uh in but in the new version we've got you know uh he asks you got meat and let's see she looks at him and here in the new version she says clean beef threaded stock it's dear though and then gunslinger thinks to himself threaded stock my ass what you got in the cooler came from something with three eyes six legs or both that's my guess lady Sai. So here we know here we got some you know we've got mutant animals that are being used for meat and there's some more proof that there's been, this is a very post-apocalyptic feel like mm-hmm. we've got the that three-eyed fish blinky from the Simpsons from in a pond nearby. Yeah. I was thinking the same kind of thing. I was like there must have been some sort of nuclear disaster or something mm. to mutate these animals. Also, I just want to when they say it's deer though, they meant like. D-E-A-R. D-E-A-R, to us. Not like, it's beef, but it's actually deer. It's venison. No, no, no. That's not what they meant. I mean, if it's got three three eyes and six legs, maybe it's some kind of beer-deef hybrid. Beef-deer hybrid. Beer-deef. No, no, no. But but as I was listening the first time around, I was like, it's beef, but it's deer, though. I'm like, wait, I'm confused. And then I read it. Wait, is it beef or deer? Yeah, what's going on here? homophones uh <laughs> so yeah like we said we've got mutated animals but gunslinger oh, clearly wait. doesn't care no okay one, one thing we forgot to mention is that she has a, a livid scar that is corkscrewing across her forehead so very I very I don't know true, where that yes. came from but she's got a big Ooh, scar I missed that. yes big scar uh hang on Oh, yes, you're right. So, yeah, she looked him in the eye. She might have been pretty when she started out, but now her face was lumpy, and there was a livid scar corkscrewed across her forehead. She powdered it heavily, but it called attention rather than camouflaging. So, clearly another sign of just everything is a little bit ugly, a little bit just falling apart, and there's a sign that... They're, the tough times have hit this town. So, and not only hit this town, but literally hit this woman. So, mm-hmm. there you go. And 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 he well thinks Lady Sai S I E S A I. True. Um, and I think that's mentioned later on when someone says Gunslinger Sai. So mm. I don't know if that's just some sort of a um, uh, just a way of calling people like dude, man, or something. I don't know. I but think it's. It, uh... that's... No, go ahead. No, I, I, I'm not sure. I was curious what you were going to say about it. Yeah. That's important uh, or not. <laughs> so basically, as it keeps going on further and further through the series, you kind of pick up that it's kind of like an honorific, like sir or that's ma'am. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So cool, there cool. you go. With So it's not so much uh, casual, but it's a little bit more, you know, he he's thinking, though... The way that this this sort of thought is worded, Lady Sai is a little bit sarcastic. So, uh, he's saying, "That's my guess, ma'am." Uh, just mm. sort of in that in that connotation, I guess. But it is in 
in the literal translation, it would be a little bit more formal. Gotcha. So there you go. He asks for three burgers and a beer, and every everybody just stops. And you could hear practically the record mm. screech, because everybody <laughs> is like, three burgers, my god. So the entire town is very uh, starved, and just the idea of someone eating three burgers at a time, people are practically salivating as they look at him. And... Mm-hmm. It's like they're uh, rationing food. Exactly. You know? <clears throat> and whether it be because they're very little food or just because everyone in town is very poor. Uh, and it kind of makes sense because she says the the beef is dear, so clearly nobody else in town has the kind of money that he's just throwing around, these gold pieces. So, uh, let's see. And so the smell was maddening. Gunslinger stood with a stolid indifference, only peripherally, only peripherally aware of the faltering piano, slowing of the card game, sidelong glances of the barflies. The man was halfway up behind him when the gunslinger saw him in the mirror. The man was almost completely bald. The hand was wrapped around the haft of a gigantic hunting knife that was looped into his belt like a holster. Go sit down, the gunslinger said quietly. So, clearly, this is a guy not to be trifled with. He just looks up in the mirror, and he can see this guy kind of going up towards him with a knife. And just in your internal thought process, you've got to be thinking, okay, so... Or this guy's internal thought process. He's thinking, this guy's got money to throw around, so he must have lots more when this came from. So he is about to just knife him in the back when the gunslinger, without even turning around to look at him, just says, sit down. And the guy is just sort of, uh, he stops, the his upper lip uh, lifted unconsciously like a dog's, moment of silence, and then he went back to the table. And the atmosphere shifted back again. So, yeah. uh, the again, gunslinger's badass. Gunslinger <laughs> is a badass. Capital B, capital A. So there you go. So, he, uh, bartender doesn't have change for gold. And she nodded angrily as if this show of wealth, even at her benefit, incensed her. Took the gold, and a minute later, the hamburgers came back on a cloudy plate, still red around the edges. Uh, so here's another change we've got in the new version, where uh, she says, That'll go you five box. Do you can box dollars? Uh, she nodded, so she was probably saying bucks. So here we've got another sign that some of our words just sort of twisted and he says dollars. So clearly it's a similar kind of thing. And also it's a, a hang on. Oh yeah, there'll be five bucks with the beer. Originally it was just, there'll be five bucks with the beer, left it at that. Yeah, she says, do you Ken box? Ken, K-E-N. K-E-N, yes, exactly. So, so like, I guess it's like, slang for do you carry i don't know in this case uh i think i'll just i'll tell you rather than uh pick it up from context but ken almost more see is along the lines of uh do you reckon do you do you follow uh just sort uh, of a okay. old-timey way of saying uh do you understand kind of gotcha um and also they go on for a little bit about uh let's see is that with the beer or is the beer extra? Uh, she didn't return the smile. I'll throw in the suds once I see the color of your money, that is. So he puts the gold piece on the bar. Uh, we've got our friend who comes up behind him with the knife. 
Uh, go sit down. New version, he says. Do yourself a favor, Cully. So there's some sort of like, uh, kind of like pirate slang uh, going on there. Just let's see. So yada yada. I, was, didn't expect I, to I thought of that as like, do yourself a favor, Sonny, and leave me yeah. alone. You know, like, there you go. Yeah, basically the little same thing. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she doesn't have change for gold, obviously. Doesn't have um, change for gold. Goes they're, they're, on. They're not doing too good financially there. <laughs> Indeed, this town and, is. But. No, no, go ahead. Uh, well, I was, and just, just more thing. The the salt you had to ask for it. Um, that was also a change. That it's a it's a probably a change that doesn't matter. But instead mm. of saying like, "Do you have salt?" and she just gave him some salt. In this one, it says she gave it to him in a little crock. She took from underneath the bar white lumps he'd have to crumble with his fingers hmm. so it's not salt that we think of this is like unrefined salt yeah kind of like rock salt yeah and they're really holding on to it just like the bread because that's the next question do you have bread and she's like no and he says yeah i know you do but you're rationing yeah. it you, you don't have much because exactly. wheat is, is not a thing that grows there you know. Exactly. Yeah, bread is probably imported from elsewhere. Like all they're growing is corn, so I'm sure they don't want to waste bread on this outlander who's just gonna have have it on his three sandwiches. So how much bread would she be throwing it away at this point? Because clearly, if he's throwing away his gold pieces, he's not gonna care if he has any bread to go with it. So she's not gonna bother giving him any. So mm -hmm. again, signs of just the overt hostility of this town that he's in and but also going back to the salt i feel like it's just an extra little detail that kind of fleshes out this world a little bit more a little crock from under the under the bar white lumps he's crumbling with his fingers um so as he goes he uh let's see yeah he just chops the meat apart uh and forks it into his mouth uh, with a little bit of salt. So he's basically just eating for sustenance at this point and just having whatever meat is available. Right. Uh, let's see. He eats steadily, <laughs> not seeming to taste, um, trying not to think of what the cow that uh, this had come from had looked like. Threaded stock, she said. Yes, quite likely. Pigs would dance the Kamala in the light of the peddler's moon. There is just a wave <laughs> of just some, some new terms tossed in there. Right. Well, it's all sarcastic, too. Like, exactly, yeah. Not yeah, something, you, but... You get the idea <laughs> that it means when pigs fly, yeah. but all of those little words are uh, just sort of hints from the future uh, future books of uh, The Dark Tower. Cool. So, I'll, I'll keep those see. in mind. Right. Peddler's Moon. Peddler's Moon. So, there you go. Well, uh, let's see. not to not to jump ahead too far because it is in this section that we're reading. All right. When when we see the man in black come to town in a little while, he looks like a peddler, right? With mm -hmm. like sort of a, a covered wagon and peddling his wares. But I don't know. Maybe that's nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So let's see. So gunslinger eats through his burgers. And then he was about to call for another beer and roll a smoke when the hand fell on his shoulder. He suddenly became aware that the room had gone silent again, and he th tasted thick tension in the air. 
He turned around and stared into the face of the man who had been asleep by the door when he entered. It was a terrible face. The odor of the devil grass was a rank miasma. The eyes were damned. The staring, glaring eyes of those who see but do not see. Uh, hmm. uh, eyes ever turned inward to the sterile hell of dreams beyond control, dreams unleashed, risen out of the stinking swamps of the sub of the unconscious. The woman behind the bar made a small moaning sound. The cracked lips writhed, lifted, revealing the green, mossy teeth. And the gunslinger thought, he's not even smoking it anymore. He's chewing it. He's really chewing it. <laughs> uh, and on the heels of that, he's a dead man. He should have been dead a year ago. And on the heels of that, the man in black did this. So mm -hmm. here we go. You see a sign that the gunslingers just immediately can instantly tell just by the face of this horrible looking man who's uh is got these greenish mossy teeth and he's sort of worn down by time and he can immediately tell oh this is the man in black's work <laughs> well and and now this is uh actually a weed eater right Correct. <laughs> that the, the kids were using that as a derogatory term this guy is actually eating the weed rather than smoking it and exactly he just knows that the man in black did it Mm-hmm. Hmm. So they're looking at each other, and all of a sudden, the man addresses him in the high speech. And That's for a, a moment, his mind... <laughs> yeah. In the new one, it says the high speech of Gilead. So yeah. a little bit more of a detail there, but... Right. The isn't, Gilead, the, isn't Gilead the country from um, the Handmaiden, Handmaid's Tale? Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a coincidence, you know. Whatever, but could be. That's the name of the country from The Handmaid's Tale is Gilead. So I, th I think it's probably a biblical reference to something else. There you go. So another yeah. religious reference uh, tossed mm -hmm. in there. Um. So the high speech. For a moment, his mind refused to track it. It had been years, God, centuries, uh, since. Uh, years, God, centuries, millenniums, there was no more high, high speech. He was the last, the last gunslinger. The others were, and then he cuts it off. So you, it's almost like we're about to get a little bit of backstory, but then he just cuts it off right away. So we're like, ah, no, what happened to the others? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. Millenniums. That's... Yeah. Jeez. So... We're not sure if he's exaggerating. We're not sure if he's speaking literally. So it's just fascinating that, you know, uh, it's just a little bit of vagueness to the gunslinger. Just uh, he's intentionally keeping his backstory very, very um, on a need to know basis, kind of. Also, this is silly, but it reminds me of uh, Kiadi Mundi saying the Sith have been gone for a millennium. So mm. like, <laughs> the, right away I'm like, gunslingers and the Sith are they this? I don't know, but <laughs> silly. <In> either... <laughs> it's a silly connection, I know, but it's where my brain went. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So, the gold for a favor, gunslinger. Sigh, just one. So there you go. Sigh again, where it's just sort of the sort of a gunslinger sir kind of uh context um yeah, it is. so gunslinger 
at hearing the high speech just sort of gives him a piece of gold like all right well, what do you have to say uh <laughs> then but then also just love this say- description hmm? okay no go ahead uh, love this description where he says the split scabbed gangrenous hand reached for it fondled it held it up to reflect the greasy glare of the kerosene lamps it threw off its proud civilized glow golden reddish bloody and just mm. the the signs of civilization gold reddish and bloody and just sort of the progression of you know money to things sort of turning to blood mm. yeah money what what do they say it's the root of all evil <laughs> exactly there you go but then so, okay then the the guy says nothing all he says is ah so you got gave him a gold and he didn't really get anything back <laughs> true um yeah basically he sort of gives out this groan that clearly skeeves off everybody aside from the fact that he was just speaking this other language that nobody had uh, ever heard of the and the entire bar just slow just empties out and everybody just starts leaving um the bat wings shuttling madly back and forth piano player closed the lid of his instrument with a bang exited after the others in long comic opera strides just <laughs> this is a very undignified exit for everyone <laughs> imagine our brother so, dennis he used to walk like that <laughs> exactly when yeah when he's creeping Dennis yeah, the king as, of as he would creeping. go tiptoe, his knees would practically <laughs> go up to his shoulders. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, see. Yeah, so Sheb, who's the owner of the place and the piano player, and the least... place the bar is named after. It's uh, they refer to it just as Sheb's. Uh, yeah. So, so, so uh, the woman. Go ahead. Yeah, the woman uh, screamed after him. Uh, Sheb, you come back here! God damn it! Was that a name the gunslinger had heard before? He thought yes, but there was no time to reflect upon it now or to cast his mind back. So here's another kind of a time where I don't really like one of these changes and it'll be expanded upon later, but well, I'll address it when we get there. But basically it's foreshadowing something that was backshadowed in a later book that if I'll We'll just leave it at that, that it's it's a kind of foreshadowing that I feel like was unnecessary. Uh, the old man, meanwhile, had gone back to his table. He spun the gold piece on the gouged wood, and the dead alive eyes followed with an empty fascination. He spun it for a second time, a third, and his eyelids drooped. The fourth time, and his head settled to the wood before the coin stopped. So, clearly this guy had nothing to do for this coin. He was just... I mean... I think also maybe the gunslinger was just sort of giving him the gold for having heard the high speech again. And he was just sort of curious to see what would happen. And so the guy just sort of spins it on a table and slowly just uh, puts his head on the table, just watching it spin like that. So Mm -hmm. this old man is clearly kind of out of his mind in many ways. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So bartender says you've driven out my trade are you satisfied they'll be back the gunslinger said not tonight they won't who's he go fuck yourself sigh 
In the new version, that's what they say. In the old version, they're much more uh, circumspect with it. Uh, she says, go. She completed the command by describing an impossible act of masturbation, which sounds worse uh, than just go fuck yourself. Honestly. Yeah, I like that. I like that one better. Oh, you like the an impossible impo- act of masturbation. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes you think. You're like, wait, what did she just say? And this one is just much more straightforward. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much more blunt. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost, uh, there was a, a time in Parks and Rec where, uh, she says, uh, I really made love to the pooch on that one. And the person she's talking to is like, "Ugh, you mean screwed the pooch? And she says, oh, that's so vulgar. <laughs> but the first way is so much worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So Gunslinger talks to the bartender a little bit. She's like, he talked to you funny. Nort never talked like that in his life. I'm looking for a man. You would know him. And she stares at him, the anger dying. It was replaced with speculation, then with a high, wet gleam that he had seen before. The rickety building ticked thoughtfully to itself. The dog barked brayingly far away. So she's just sort of looking at him, kind of... mm, Sizing him up, kind of. And we're just describing all the sounds we hear as she's thinking. And... She saw his knowledge, and the gleam was replaced by hopelessness, by a dumb need that had no mouth. You know my price. Uh, let's see. New version. I guess maybe you know my price. I got an itch that I used to be able to take care of, but now I can't. So, new version, much more blunt with it. Uh, (laughs) old version, she just says, you know my price, and then eventually we figure out what that means. Uh... He looked at her steadily. The scar would not show in the dark. Her body was lean enough so the desert and grit and grind has not been able to sag everything. And she'd once been pretty, maybe even beautiful. Not that it mattered. It would not have mattered if the grave beetles had nested in the arid blackness of her womb. It had all been written. Her hands came up to her face and there was some juice left in her enough to weep. Don't look. You don't have to look at me so mean. And... So clearly he's kind of just sort of sizing her up, like, giving her a look like, all right, if that's what your price is, I'll see if I'm willing to pay it. <laughs> well, there was also one line that said, and I guess this is the new version, somewhere some hand had put it all down in Ka's book. Mm. Ka. All right. Ka. Is that like a, so, a deity or, a, I don't know, some sort of prophet? All right. <laughs> well, it's there lowercase k. Lowercase so. k for Ka. So we'll see if that word comes back uh, later on. Yeah, um, so the word had been don't written. Look. Don't look. Don't, yeah, go ahead. You, have, you don't have to look at me so mean. I'm sorry, the counselor said. I didn't mean to be mean. None of you mean it. It's like you ever met somebody with kind of a facial deformity? And it's like, mm. we're, I'm not actually looking at it, but it's like, yeah, you are. I can tell. Mm. It's true, yeah. I, I didn't think about that, but just because of the scar on her forehead, that's probably what she thinks his eye is directed to, but he's kind of looking at the whole picture. But right. because of the thing that she's self-conscious about, that's probably why she's more self-conscious of him looking at it. Yeah, and this happens all the time in our daily lives. The thing that you're most self-conscious about is what you think everyone's looking at. Exactly. She she heavily powdered it over, but it uh, showed off more than what it was uh, meant to conceal. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, so, yeah, basically, at this point, with no information given of any kind, uh, 
because that's her price, I guess. Uh, Gunslinger says, put out the lights and lock up. Is he going to steal anything? No. Then just put out the lights. So basically, they go upstairs to have sex, I guess, and the they just leave Nort the weed eater kind of sitting on the table, kind of spinning the gold piece, and just leaves him to his uh, devices as they go upstairs to get busy. Uh <laughs> So that's the end of that section. Five. Nort is perfectly content to just stay there all nights until the place opens in the morning, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And be, I, honestly, with bat wing doors and everything, <coughs> what is there really to lock? I mean, I guess you could kind of lock the two doors together, but are, are they the kind that you can kind of scuttle underneath? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Basically, you know, or maybe she's just locking up everything that would be worth stealing. Who knows? But in any case, they go upstairs. Uh... And then uh, he... So there was no light to hide their act. Uh, what? That doesn't even make sense. She led him upstairs and there was no light to hide their act. Which is interesting. So, you would think darkness would hide their act. Hmm. Yeah, I actually read that sentence to myself a couple times too. There was no light to hide their act. So because there was no light, their, their act was hidden. I guess so. Huh. The darkness hit. You could also just say the darkness hid their act. Oh, oh yes. Okay, now I get it. So there was. So it's almost like a double negative, kind of like there yeah. was no light. So there was no light. Uh, so basically saying there was no light. In other words, saying there was darkness to hide their act. Yeah. Huh. All right. Again, uh, sort of a roundabout way of just saying a, a normal thing. Um, so They had sex. <laughs> they had sex, yeah. Uh, Gunslinger does the stereotypical smoking a cigarette afterwards. He's uh, hand-rolling them uh, past one to her. Uh, let's see. The scent of the desert had overlaid it and crippled it. It was like the smell of the sea. He realized he was afraid of the desert ahead. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, so then she starts telling him the story of Nort. And, uh, she says he was touched by God. And then Gunslinger said, I've never seen him. Which, odd way of saying it. So, clearly this guy, he, he received this compass that he was told to give to Jesus if he sees him. And so... It almost seems as though he has sort of this blasé attitude toward uh, religion, kind of, so that he is saying, I'll give a compass to Jesus if I see him, but I don't think I will. And this man was touched by God. I've never seen him. So it's and beyond... It's a capital, all... it's a capital exactly. H. So when he said, I've never, H, seen, I've never him seen him, God, not yeah. the so man of he, black. It almost seems as though he takes jesus and god as being commonplace things that one could see kind of uh he doesn't take the metaphysical metaphorical meaning of religion or anything like that so this has been this is clearly a guy who has seen some shit and he is just comfortably like Ugh, if i see god i'll just give it to him or whatever i haven't seen god yet hmm. and so again this is a guy who is just hard-boiled and has no concern about um, sort of the religious aspect of religion, kind of. He all, he sees it all just sort of as commonplace, kind of. Or at least that's my interpretation. 
So let's see. He was here since uh, I can re ever since I can remember. Nor to me, not God. She laughed jaggedly. He had a honey wagon for a while, started to drink, started to smell the grass, started to smoke it. The kids started to follow him around and sick their dogs on him. He wore old green pants that stank. Do you understand? He started to chew it. At the last, he just sat there and didn't eat anything. He might have been a king in his mind. The children might have been his jesters. The dogs, his princes. Yes. <laughs> so he died right in front of this place. He came clumping down the boardwalk. His boots wouldn't wear out. They were engineer's boots with the children and dogs behind him. So just a, a note, there's a Stephen King-ism that engineer boots that uh, never run out uh, is something that uh, pops up every so often in Stephen King books. Uh, that makes me think of Billy Joel. Engineer boots, leather jackets, and tight blue jeans. Nice. <laughs> so let's see. Um, in this case, engineer boots. He found an old tra train yard. Just a little bit more uh, characterization for Nort that you know he can't afford his own engineer boots, but he found he found them someplace. Uh, and then, oh, also another change. Uh, uh, just like the grins, children carve into their sharp roots and pumpkins come reap. So mm. here's another little peppering of just some some world building, some uh, some new aspects of the story that you know, sharp roots and pumpkins. Uh, let's see. A reap, capital R. So that's exactly reap instead of All Saints Eve. So another oh, just okay. change, making this a little bit less earthly. So you can smell the dirt and rot. Uh, I was running down. It was running down from the corners of his mouth like green blood. I think he meant to come in and listen to Sheb play the piano. And then right in front, he stopped and cocked his head. I could see him and I thought he heard a coach, although there was none due. And then he puked, and it was black and full of blood. It went right through that grin like sewer water through a grate. The stink Ugh. was enough to make you want to run mad. He raised up his arms and just threw over. And that was all. He died with that grin on his face in his own vomit. It just sort of almost like a horror aspect of watching somebody die in this horrible, yeah. bloody black vomit. Uh, strewing through their teeth. Blech. Yeah, great figurative language through his teeth like sewer water through a grate it just makes you go Ugh. Yeah, exactly <laughs> this guy's got a lot of gaps through his teeth that all this like it's spewing out of him so mm -hmm. she was trembling beside him outside uh the wind kept up a steady whine some more characterization of all the things that the gunslinger hears uh, this was probably the only place prosperous in town to afford to support mice. So not only is it so poor <laughs> that, uh, you know, people are aghast at the sight of someone eating more than one burger at a time. This is the only place rich enough to have mice. <laughs> yeah, so totally. poorest town in the world. Uh, let's see. So then Gunslinger just sort of looks at her and he waits and he's like, Nort's not what I care about. And he just uh, uh, in, co in subtext, but out loud, all he says is, the man in black. 
And then mm. she says, you have to have it, don't you? You couldn't just throw me a fuck and go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> another addition, uh, making the new edition just a little bit more crass. But hey, who knows? Maybe the the original editor was just like, uh, you got too many fucks in here. We got to take some of this out. <laughs> <laughs> and then as he got, became more famous, he's like, I can write whatever I want. I'm yeah. Stephen King. <laughs> I can give all the fucks. <laughs> <laughs> So. And, and so now we go into a story within a story within a story, right? Exactly. We're, now we've we're, gotten we're, <laughs> the base level of our inception, yeah. Yeah, because at first it was, you know, um, the gunslinger telling the story to Brown and Zoltan. And right. now that he's within this story, it's now uh, the bartender uh, telling the gunslinger story about the man in black. Section Indeed. 7. Indeed. So actually, this is the the fourth level kind of of our story thus far. So we start off gunslinger walking with no mule, falls asleep, and he dreams by a devil grass fire. Then oh. we so then one level within that is gunslinger talking to Zoltan and Brown, and he is telling them of his most recent travel. So then the story that he's telling Brown and Zoltan is him intel going through seeing this horrible, miserable town and him meeting the bartender. And then level four is her telling him the story of uh, Nort and the Man in Black. Yeah, this is why I was a little confused the first time I went through this, but it's, it's all true. It makes more sense now. <laughs> in a lot of ways this is kind of a young writer kind of uh see, strutting his stuff and seeing what how well he can write and being like oh i'm gonna write a story within a story within a story within a story oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right, here we go so... yeah do you want to go with uh yeah go ahead you uh tell us uh our bartender's so... uh, tale Section 7. He came in the late afternoon of the day. Nort died and the wind was whooping it up, pulling away the loose topsoil, sending sheets of grit and uprooted stalks of corn windmilling past. Jubal Kennerly had padlocked the livery, the livery and the few other merchants had shuttered their windows and laid boards across the shutters. The sky was the color of old cheese and the clouds flew across it as if they had seen something horrifying in the desert wastes where they had so lately been. The gunslinger's quarry came in a rickety rig with a rippling tarp tied across its bed. There was a big howdy-do of a grin on his face. They watched him come, an old man carefully lying by a window with a bottle in one hand and the loose hot flesh of his second eldest daughter's left breast in the other, resolved not to be there if he should knock. Ugh, <laughs> a lot of descriptions there. But uh, basically, the, the man in black is coming into town just like the storm is entering town kind of or, or like the wind is whipping up exactly and there's uh, a few changes in there that we saw um, oh, I'm sorry Kennerly I'm reading the new a, one no 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 worries um, <laughs> Kennerly is given a first name Jubal for some reason um, <laughs> and then instead of just he came it's the gunslinger's quarry came and then the big howdy-do grin on his face is brand new. So this is another, like, just establishing a little bit sooner kind of the character of the man in black, which I kind of, in this case, this one I this one I like, just to yeah. get there a little bit more characterization sooner. Well, he makes me think of, like, a like a snake oil salesman, kind of, mm. coming to town to, to peddle his wares, as I was kind of saying before. Um, but really, it seems like... Um, He's a bit dastardly in his plans. I don't know. 
Like that that exactly. smile makes me think like, hey everybody, I got a I got a bridge in Brooklyn I can sell you. You want a yeah. used car? You want to buy a watch? <laughs> hmm. I got some snake oil right here that'll cure anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want us to read everything, but... Yeah, no worries. But just this one part that I was looking at, he might have been a priest or a monk. He wore a black cassock that flowered with dust, um, and a loose hood that covered his head and obscured his features. It rippled and flapped. Uh, beneath the garment's hem, heavy buckled boots with square toes. So this kind of an old-timey kind of look, where um, what I would almost describe as kind of pilgrim shoes. He's got this uh thick black uh you know robe with a hood that covers his face and sort of very definitely a very sinister kind of air i would say yeah and also uh just this one quick little um change to the new one it said uh blah blah obscured his futures but not that horrid happy grin Mm. so that kind of goes back to what i was saying last time about little bits of alliteration that you might find it's exactly. a horrid, happy grin. Those are two very opposite things, which leads you to believe this guy is, you know, un- unexpected intentions, I think. Yeah, kind of unhinged. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's actually another thing, uh, another change between the old version and the new version. Old version says he wore a black cassock, but new version, they just call it a robe. So, just yeah. to, I guess, simplify things. But a cassock is a, a priest's robe, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah pulls up in front of Shebs and uh, walks in and here's the first time we say her name the bartender's name is Alice so mm-hmm. she's watching him nobody else noticed uh, Sheb was playing Methodist hymns ragtime the grizzled layabouts that came in early to avoid the storm and to attend Nort's wake had sung themselves hoarse so clearly this piano player he knows the you know religious songs but he's playing them in this happy like profane kind of way so here we got another example of kind of religion being corrupted yeah. uh, Method- Methodist in- hymns Methodist hymns are not fun it's very it's like <laughs> so to make it ragtime is like alright this is a little catchy mm. cool but it's sure. also awake this is exactly. a funeral basically yeah. so it's not appropriate but exactly. and should. you can see that kind of uh uh, typifies this wake that they're having that you know voices screeched and hollered people are drunk people are um let's see in one corner zachary had thrown amy felton's skirt over her head and was painting uh in the new version it says reap charms in the old version it says zodiac signs so ah. just another kind of world building change from you know our world to theirs uh a few other women circulated uh Nord had been laid out on two tables in the center of the room, his boots made of mystical V. His mouth hung open in a slack grin, although someone had closed his eyes and put slugs on them. And at this point, I'm wondering, do they mean slugs like bullets, or do they mean slugs like literal slugs? <laughs> I was thinking slugs, slugs like bullets, but... Also, you wouldn't really see slugs in this arid environment. Slugs are pretty um, Yeah, that's true. Moist. Yeah, they need the moisture. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I, was I was just bullets. hoping for like a little bit more of just sort of the creepy, unworldly, like, ugh. Oh, they're, yeah. Putting, that is... yeah, they're putting snails on his face? Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he smelled like poison. Mm. All right. All right, so... man. 
Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to continue. The man in black now goes up to the bar. Um, Alice watched him, feeling trepidation mixed with the familiar want that hid within her. There was no religious symbol on him, although that meant nothing by itself. And then he asks, Whiskey. I want the good stuff, honey. His voice was soft and pleasant. Just like a used car salesman, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, well, another sign so, just from... Another sign of just, like, the difference of... Well, either the difference or maybe cause and effect of uh, Gunslinger walking in versus the Man in Black walking in. Like, Man in Black... Nobody seems to care about him. Everybody's just sort of going about their business, and there's none of that overt hostility that the gunslinger had. They just see sort of guy in a black robe, and he walks into the bar, blah, blah, blah. Nobody kind of does any, kind of reacts, more or less. Uh, let's see. The hollering and whooping went on behind, unabated. Uh, you know, and just a little bit... Un- a little bit of a change instead of gunslinger walking in wants beer and hamburger man of black walks in just ask for the good stuff the whiskey and she can tell just by looking at this guy that if she had pawned off whatever you know the local crap that she had as her best uh he would have known so she kind of has this impression of him that he's uh let's see oh no wait hang on I might be giving her too much credit here. No, no. She um, she could have pawned off the local pop skull on him as her best, but she did not. Uh, she went straight for the star. So I guess more of just a... She's just intimidated by him, I guess, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say that. She's like, this guy's going to know. I'm going to yeah. give him the good stuff. Star. Mm. <laughs> so everybody kind of goes on doing their thing behind him somebody shouts out hey Allie and then she goes over to that person so it's not nearly the everybody turning around and everybody staring at the gunslinger moment that we just had I I like this sentence Uh, uh, her voice warped and distorted cut through the babble like a dull axe through a calf's brain just Mm. like not very well (laughs) right exactly yeah and just a cool way to put it Christian soldiers yeah so, but in, yeah, in, there's, in ragtime style. <laughs> in ragtime style, exactly. This is this sign of religion <laughs> being Onward, sort Christian of soldiers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Onward, Christian soldiers. Do, 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 do. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, again, we see Allie as type of woman who sees sort of a strange newcomer and immediately uh, feels her own restless groin. So... Again, she's uh, she's got needs, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, anyway, um, so let's see. The man of black is like, it's busy. She goes, wait. And he goes, I noticed the departed. So it's sort of the, just the strange nature of this week. This cheerful sort of like, they're playing religious music, but they're all having a great time. They're, the yeah. Departed is right there in the middle, but they're all hooping and hollering, and they're all, it's almost, it almost seems more like a Ding Dong the Witch is Dead kind of a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seemed like this guy was uh, kind of like, 
the town drunk, the people that everybody would like make fun of and stuff, and exactly, you know, kick him while he's down, kind of thing. So now that he's dead, they're like, hey, whatever, let's party. Indeed. And that's Perfect. why she calls and them all bums. Exactly. Yeah. The what is it? I think Ali basically says as much that um, it excites them. He's dead. They're not. He was their butt when he was alive. It's not right that he should be their butt now. It's she trailed off not able to express what it was or how it was obscene so again mm -hmm. this obscenity this religion being uh twisted and corrupted um and then basically let's see man of black goes weed eater and she says yes what else did he have sort of kind of sticking up for this poor defenseless like butt of their jokes the town drunk who had just always been down on his luck and she feels sorry for him which Allie is probably one of the other few good people in this town yeah I was thinking about it. so yeah and then we get to the most exciting part of what I would uh, call this uh, Allie's story here and basically he's talking about you know the, you're here with death don't talk trivialities uh, and then the man in black is kind of just the way that he's talking kind of gets a little bit harsher and harsher. You know, you're soft-hearted and a little afraid, and he was on the weed looking out Hell's back door, and there he is, and they even slam the door now, and you don't think they'll open it until it's time for you to walk through, isn't it so? What are you, drunk? Mr. Norton, he did. Uh, the man in black intones sardonically, dead as anybody, dead as you or anybody. Uh, so, a little bit, uh, you know, man in black kind of definitely politically incorrect i would say kind of going in this kind of minstrelly voice uh mm -hmm. let's see i just wanted to say something going back yeah, uh um it, it was just him paying for it again he he gave out he gave a gold coin and then she said she didn't have change so just showing that sort of duality of the mm -hmm. man in black silver and the gunslinger coin. oh this time it was a silver coin oh, right. yeah this time it, it was silver a... uh, gunslinger had gold so this other sign of not only duality of them being alike, but them also being opposites. Got it. Hmm. Huh. So, like I said, he's kind of digging into Allie, and she says, get out of my place. He's like, it's all right. Wait, just wait. And then sort of, he almost hypnotizes her by looking her deep into her eyes. And she nodded dumbly, and then he laughed aloud. A strong, untainted laugh that swung heads around. He swirled and faced them, suddenly made the center of attention by some unknown alchemy. Aunt Mill faltered and subsided, leaving a cracked high note bleeding on the air. Uh, Sheb struck a discord. They all looked at this stranger uneasily. Pause. Shouldn't put food in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, so that just seems to me like... Um... It's very tense. Oh, right totally. Now. You know, the it's like someone screeched the record. You know, <laughs> exactly. The mood shifted on a dime. So here's another time, another chance where you saw how everybody reacted to the gunslinger as he walks into town. Everybody is suspicious. Everybody is a little bit mean to him. And then you see later on the men in black came through, and everybody was just sort of happy going about their day. And then this guy gets everybody's attention 
this guy gets everybody's attention and then he says i'll show you a wonder and then he starts like jumping over the dead body in the middle of the room he starts spitting on his face over and over again he gives this absolutely absurd performance um ooh, no 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 before that actually even before that um he uh slaps aunt mill on the belly and this short unwitting cackle is forced out of her and he says it's better isn't it so she cackled again did, and burst into sobs and fled out the doors. So what did, there, what I've got to wonder. Yeah, like, did she have some sort of stomach pain? Did Like, did he heal her in some way? Or who knows? Like, maybe he's what, doing, what, like, sort of subtextual magic, like, stuff like that. What, was she pregnant and he just aborted the child, took a life, and then gave it to this guy, Nort? I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> That's where my interesting. brain was going. <laughs> okay. I did not go that dark with it, but all right. Yeah, I, I, I went pretty dark. Sorry. Well, it's Stephen King. Exactly. Could be. Uh, so let's see. She ran out. And then, so then at this point is when he said, all right, all right, let's get down to it. So at this point, I kind of have to laugh because in the movie version of the dark tower the man in black is played by matthew mcconaughey so totally not somebody you would ever consider for what is being described here i mean technically i guess it could be anybody as long as they've got a looney tunes grin on their face but uh he's got a, just he's got a looney tunes grin though yeah, but just the fact that he goes all right all right let's get down to it <laughs> oh, i got you <laughs> i feel like that could be a mcconaughey read uh <laughs> absolutely yeah and who's uh, the gunslinger is idris elba idris elba yes but cool let's set that aside in the moment other I, than just <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to watch that movie until we're completely done with all this. I wouldn't recommend it, yeah. Because <laughs> definitely it's not a novelization of The Gunslinger. It also kind of goes into uh, a few pieces here and there of later books as well. So, I don't know. Yeah. Basically, they tried to condense seven books into one movie. So. Oh, really? That's yeah. crazy? Why? That is, it, it was nuts, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't even seen it. I've just heard, like, descriptions of it, and I have no desire to. So, anyway, Sheb starts spitting on Nort's face, aiming carefully, and he is coughing up phlegm. He is, like, ugh, huge and sticky gobs of it and let it fly. Man in Black, uh, Sheb laughed loon-like and hunched over. He began to cough up phlegm, huge and sticky gobs of it. So... Man of Black spitting on Nort's face, and then Sheb decides to join in, and he just starts hawking loogies right on Sheb as well. So this is the most profane wake I've ever possibly heard of. Well, uh, he's, he's hawking loogies on Nort, right? Let's all on Nort, spit on, on Nort, him, yes. sure. Yeah, 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 let's all pile on. Oh, gross. So, um, let's see. Is there any other changes? More or less the same, you know. Uh... Man in Black stood over Nort, grinning down at him. Something large struck the side of the building, hard enough to make it shake, and then bounced away. So we've got sort of ominous changes in the landscape as well, uh, even more so than the the storm that came in with the, with the Man in Black. One of the men at the bar tore himself free, moving in great grotesque strides. The thunder racketed the sky with a sound like God coughing. Okay, so... 
Mana Black is spitting on Nort. Sheb is spitting at Nort. Some other people fled. Others gathered in a loose ring around Nort. Uh, his face and dewlapped rooster wrinkles of his neck and his upper chest gleamed with liquid. Liquid so precious in this dry country. And then suddenly the rain of spit stopped, as if on signal. So... If there's a ring of people around this guy and there's a rain of spit, I'm just imagining everybody joining in and just being like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing now. And then just uh, everybody spits on this poor dead man's face. Oh, God. <laughs> so Man in Black suddenly lunged across the body, jackknifing over it in a smooth arch. Uh, it was pretty like a flash of water. Caught himself on his hands, sprang to his feet in a twist, uh, grinning and went over again. One of the watchers forgot himself and began to applaud and suddenly backed away, eyes cloudy with terror. Uh, he slobbered a hand across his mouth and made for the door. So people are... Ooh, cool. Oh, wait, this isn't cool. This oh, is this is terrifying. Uh, uh, <laughs> so wipes the spit that he had just spat onto the dead man uh, off of his mouth and then ran, runs out the door. So Nord twitched for the... Uh, da, 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 da. So he lunged across the body and then... Wait, when is Nord... I see Nort twitched for the third time. I missed Nort twitching for the first time. Uh, well, oh, I saw Nort, there... oh, yes. Nort twitched the third time the Man in Black went across. Okay. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Man in Black jumps over once, twice, thrice, and then Nort's body twitched. A sound went through the watchers. A grunt, and then they went silent. The Man in Black threw his head back and howled. His chest moved in a quick, shallow rhythm as he sucked air. He began to go back and forth a faster clip, pouring over Nort's body, back, bouncing back and forth like water poured from one glass to another. The only sound in the room was the tearing rasp of his respiration and the rising pulse of the storm. And then Nort drew in a deep, dry breath. His hands rattled and pounded aimlessly at the table. Sheb screeched and exited. One of the women followed him. Man in Black went over across once more, twice and thrice. The whole body was vibrating now, trembling and rapping, twitching. The smell of rotten excrement and decay billowed up in choking waves. His eyes opened. Alice went, felt her feet propelled her backwards. She struck the mirror, making it shiver, and blind panic took over. She bolted like a steer. I've given it to you, the man in black called after her panting. Now you can sleep easy. Even that isn't irreversible, although it's so goddamn funny. Ooh. And he began to laugh again. The sound uh, faded as she raced up the stairs, and then she began to giggle, uh, rocking back and forth on her haunches by the door. And downstairs, Nort wandered absently out into the storm to pull some weed. <laughs> oh. Like, Nord this is, is fine, but Nord, oh. Nord's fine, just sort of going about his business. And this is just the most sort of we've been talking about how things have been uh, obscene and profane. And the man in black has made even a resurrection into this disgusting and occult uh, sort of practice. So goddamn funny. So goddamn yeah. funny. So there you go. There's another attribute of the Man in Black's sort of wild uh, sense of humor, I guess you could call it. Uh, let's see. Okay, so, and in the new version, we've got one of the women followed, her eyes wide and her wimple billowing. Uh, Man in Black went across once, twice, thrice. It was vibrating uh, like a large yet essentially lifeless doll with monstrous clockwork hidden inside. Uh, yeah, that's a, a that's a great description there. Uh, 
Let's see. That's like so. So instead of I've given, hmm? our bodies are just machines, man. Also true. About it. (laughs) Biological machines, yeah. Mm -hmm. So before he says I've given it to you in the new version, Man in Black uh, callback to his earlier thing. So here is your wonder. Uh, I've given it to you, although it's so goddamn funny. Um, sound, uh, let's see. So she's giggling in her room, uh, behind the door because Allie has just had enough. Uh, she kept hearing the sound Nort had made when he came back to life. The sound of fists knocking blindly on the lid of a coffin. What thoughts, she wondered, could be left in his reanimated brain? What had he seen while dead? How much did he remember? Would he tell? Were the secrets of the grave waiting downstairs? The most terrible thing about such questions, she reckoned, was the part of you, was that part of you really wanted to ask? So here we're kind of setting up uh, something that's going to be one of the major changes in this section. Hmm sort of the secrets that one learns while while dead and will they remember once they've been resurrected that that made me think of uh john snow a little bit when you know he was brought back and they were like well what did you see what happened he was like nothing there was nothing and that's like oh man that's even worse <laughs> that does sound very george rr R. martin uh yeah <laughs> for- I gave up, like, I stopped watching Game of Thrones after the, what was it, the, what season was it, the Jon Snow died? I think that was the last thing that I watched, and I was kind of only watching back and forth, four or five, yeah. The, oh, God, from what I hear, it just basically goes almost all downhill from there. Yeah, unfortunately, it kind of went downhill, and I mean, he never finished the book, so it's just weird. Indeed, but you know, for people who loved the books, then uh, that point, everything from the show on at that point technically kind of isn't canon. So who knows? Maybe he's gonna George R. R. Martin is gonna write a totally different thing. Maybe he's not gonna write them at all. Who knows? I hope so. Finish the books, George. Finish the books. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so let's see. We've got Man in Black doing his crazy thing. Uh, resurrects Nort in this insane way and Mm -hmm. then basically uh, when she forced herself to go back downstairs the man in black was gone rig and all but Nort was there sitting uh, sitting at the table by the door as if he had never been away the smell of weed was on him but not as heavily as she might have expected Nort and Allie have this little conversation I've been touched by God I ain't gonna die no more He he said so it was a promise how nice for you Nort the spill she was holding uh, dropped through her trembling figure, fingers and she picked it up again. What is a spill? Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Yeah, is that like a portion it's, of her dress or something? That's that's what I was thinking. It's a portion of her dress, maybe? And mm-hmm. She was smart to like... She feels so gross that she's like holding her dress up. Right. So, know. here we've got another of the horrors of addiction. Uh, I'd like to stop chewing the grass. I don't enjoy it no more. It don't seem right for a man touched by God to be chewing the weed. Then why don't you stop? I shake, and I want it. I can't stop, Allie. You were all, you was always so good to me. I can't even stop peeing myself. And just, oh, this poor, wretched man. And uh, just a absolute, you know... Uh, absolute wreck of a human being who's just you know he clearly he wants to stop but he can't so it's just terrible i can relate with that kev i've struggled with uh, alcohol 
for most of my life and mm -hmm. you just want to stop <laughs> exactly you know? it is a disease mm -hmm. so yeah anywho anywho so the you know back to fantasy the nort is uh almost saying through tears he could have made me not want it he could have done that if he could have made me be alive i ain't complaining i don't want to complain he stared around hauntedly and whispered he might strike me dead if i did maybe it's a joke he seemed to have quite a sense of humor nort took his poke from where it had dangled from his shirt and brought out a handful of grass unthinkingly she knocked it away and then drew her back, hand back horrified I can't help it, Allie. I can't. And he made a crippled dive for the poke. Uh, she could have stopped him, but she made no effort. She went back to lighting the lamps, although tired, though the evening had barely begun. And nobody came in that night except old man Kennerly, who had missed everything. She didn't seem particularly, he didn't seem particularly surprised to see Nort. He ordered beer, uh, asked where Sheb was, and pawed, her, pawed at her. Uh, so what does that mean, he, pawed her? Like, gave her money? Uh, I think pawed her is sort of like groped at her. Oh, just like he was holding his daughter's boob in his hand? Exactly. Yeah. This dude, Kennerly, is not a good guy. No, uh, it does not seem like it. So here again is the one of the major changes in this section of the book. Later, North came in, held out a folded piece of paper. Uh, he left you this. I near forgot. If I had forgot, he would have come back and killed me, sure. Paper was valuable a commodity, much to be treasured. But she did not like to handle this. It was heavy, nasty. Written on it was a single word. Allie. Uh, how did he know my name? She, she asked Nort. And Nort only shook his head. She opened it and read this. You want to know about death? I left him a word. That word is 19. If you say it to him, his mind will be opened. He will tell you what lies beyond. He will tell you what he saw. The word is 19. Knowing will drive you mad. But sooner or later, you will ask. You won't be able to help yourself. Have a nice day. Smiley face. Walter O'Dim. P.S. Smiley the word face. P.S. <laughs> the word is 19. You will try to forget that. But sooner or later, it'll come out of your mouth like vomit. 19. Hmm. So. And we get we get the Man in Black's name. Well, Man in Black's name it, is apparently Walter O'Dim. And... This is hands down my least favorite edition because, well, I'll talk about it more later. But okay. here we've got something that is added that uh, comes up in the later Dark Tower books. Uh, the word 19 is important. Isn't that how old uh, Stephen King was when he started writing this? Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, when he first started raiding the gunslinger, yeah. So, I don't know if that matters, but I just may or may not matter. matter. May maybe the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Who knows? Uh, yeah. So let's see. But also, Stephen King is the same age as our parents. Very true. Born uh, exactly. 1950, 51? 50 or fifty-one. Yeah, and that's when the two of them were born. Hmm. Not important, but you know, whatever. <laughs> indeed so here we've got this note that Nort knows what happens after you die and it will drive you insane which is a very Stephen King kind of idea that almost the worst case scenario is insanity kind of and 
that knowing too much will drive you insane. And so it's in that it's actually kind of a H.P. Lovecraft kind of thing where the less you know, the better. And there are forces beyond our, our knowledge and ancient evils and whatnot. Oh. I don't know so. too much about Lovecraft, but isn't that like the big monsters and like yeah, Cthulhu and, and yeah, yeah. Rulia and the ancient, uh, the old gods and whatnot. Uh, after reading a bunch of Stephen King, I was very curious, but then I the the first H.P. Lovecraft story that I read was, uh, what was it called? Um, it was a name, something, something, the reanimator. Herbert something? Uh, Herbert West, reanimator. And trust me, if you want to get into H.P. Lovecraft, this is the absolute worst place to start. <laughs> okay. Because, because basically this story um, is more or less the story of like a mad scientist like uh, Frankenstein times 100, kind of, where he's sort of uh, reanimating dead flesh and everything but then towards the end of the story he goes on to the most racist rant against black people i have ever heard in my entire life and, oh jeez oh my god yeah so <laughs> like ooh yeah so good. basically as soon as i read that i was like oh i don't want to read this so that <laughs> turned me off of hp lovecraft forever so yeah never read any further than that but yeah so that was written in uh, october 1921 and june 1922 uh, oh, all right so so yeah oh god but yeah, times were different back then people don't write yeah. like that anymore i mean yes <laughs> people don't shit. write like that anymore thank god because ugh, i mean i don't even know if it's times like there i mean i'm sure hp lovecraft has his place in you know horror and horror fantasy and all stuff like that but ugh, i if if yeah. that's like the what's going to be coloring the edges of this world then i am not here for it but yeah so in any brother. case in any case so, yeah. the Nec necromancy all right necromancy more or less yeah <laughs> True, because it's definitely not sort of a, a Jesus and Lazarus type uh, bring someone back from the dead situation. Because in, in the Bible, Jesus goes, Lazarus, arise, and he yells into a cave, and then Lazarus just sort of comes back. So all Jesus had to do was talk to him. But in this case, he spits on him. He encourages the entire bar to spit on him, hocking loogies left and right. Uh, he <laughs> jumps over him in this like weird sort of occult uh back and forth jackknifing and very bizarre so uh, another example of sort of religious corruption and also it makes me think of uh, the resurrection stone a little bit in harry potter yeah. and that like when the people came back they weren't the same it was mm. it was only like a shadow of their former self caused by True. like dark magic you know true well, well see there i feel like it's a little bit more complicated like are they shadows of themselves like in terms of light and shadow or are they or are they shadows of themselves in terms of being unsubstantial like i'm not really sure exactly what the context is there because they mean different things yeah I, I was thinking more like the second thing you said unsubstantial mm. like they're, yeah. it's, it's, they're there but not really there 
you know not that they're True. Um, basically evil. almost like that they're ghosts yeah yeah but nort seems to be perfectly alive and exactly there. almost as though the last <laughs> uh you know him dying hadn't happened walks outside gets some weed uh and then he kind of goes about his day but clearly he's been shaken but he doesn't know what to do with this realization because he's still the town drunk he's still this guy but he's just been struck by forces much greater than him so he doesn't know how to take that so clearly by the time he sees the gunslinger he learned a little bit of the high speech and also he's definitely kind of lost his mind as well right so they go outside the next day and uh, burn the corn that had been uprooted by the wind. Mm-hmm. Things like it seems like things that are getting back to normal in Tull, which is normal in Tull is not really good either. But <laughs> also true. Um, but wait, the thing I wanted to say: the fire was momentarily bright, and most of the barflies stepped or staggered out to watch. They looked primitive; their faces seemed to float between the flames and the ice chip brilliance of the sky. I just, I just like that imagery right there. Mm. Uh, Allie watched them and felt a pang of fleeting despair for the sad times of this world. The loss. Things had stretched apart. There was no glue at the center anymore. Somewhere, something was tottering. And when it fell, all would end. She had never seen the end. The ocean never would. True. Mm. If, so. I had, if, I, I just, if I had guts, she murmured. If I had guts, guts, guts. <laughs> what does that all mean? Yeah, so I feel like here we've got sort of an early uh, foreshadowing that something is wrong with this world. Something at the center. Yeah, there is no glue at the center anymore. Something is tottering, and if it falls, all would end. So keep that image in your mind. Like, we don't have any nouns here, no proper nouns, I should say. uh, But something has no glue. Something is tottering. And something that is at the center, that is, if when when that thing falls, all would fall. So let's just put call that foreshadowing, let's say. Yeah. Keep that in the back of my mind. Keep that in the back of your mind. So. uh, uh, She had no guts, only a bar and a scar and a word. It struggled behind closed lips. Suppose she were to call him over now and draw him close, but despite his stink suppose she said the word into the waxy bugger lug he calls an ear uh his eyes would change they would turn into his eyes those of the man in the robe and then nort would tell her would tell what she had what he'd seen in the land of death what lay beyond the earth and the worms i'll never say that word to him but the man who brought nort back to life and left her a note, left her a word like a cocked pistol she would someday put to her temple, had known better. Nineteen would open the secret. Nineteen was the secret. She caught herself writing in a puddle in the bar. Nineteen. And skidded it to nothingness when she saw Nort watching her. That's all, obviously, added. But, oh, just, I mean, I don't like that it's added but he added it in a good way <laughs> I, 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 I do I can't help but love Stephen King's writing uh, <laughs> but yes so fire burned down she began to dose herself with star whiskey and by midnight she was blackly drunk so uh, just when people are brushed by this sign of just greater powers than them and you know they 
are confronted by death and by this man who can bring somebody back from death. The only excuse is either to run away from it or to escape from it down a bottle. So it's clearly just everybody doesn't want to know. They don't want to hear this. And the man in black has just sort of given her this note, which, and over and over, he writes the word 19 out, N-I-N-E-T-E-E-N. And he makes sure that it gets stuck in her, uh, in her brain so that, you know, she has this recurring sort of thought that she can't remember, can't forget. And she just knows that eventually she's going to drink this bottle of poison just because it's sitting there, just because she knows. And in a today example, it's just looking at that Tide Pod and knowing that it's poison, but still being like, oh, but I kind of want to eat it. Uh, I never wanted to eat a Tide Pod. Come on, I'm smart. You that. never looked at one and was like... But maybe, just maybe, but no. <laughs> I put they some made weird it things to, in my body. They made it look too much like candy. They they did it bad. They. Uh. <laughs> That's a funny analogy. All right. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like knowing a secret, and it's like eating away inside of you. you know? Exactly. It's like the old saying, you know, uh, tell somebody don't think of elephants, and then instantly, Nick, what do you think about? I just thought of an elephant. Thinking about Nelda. <laughs> so there you go. All right, section eight. Go ahead, Kev. What do you want to... All right. So at this point, we have come back up from our bottom level of, you know, a story within a story within a story within a story. So now just we're in story within a story within a story. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> she ceased her narrative. And when he made no immediate comment, she began to drowse. And then he asked, that's all? Yes, that's all. It's very late. Um, he was rolling another cigarette. Don't go getting your tobacco dandruff in my bed, she told him, more sharply than he she intended. No. Silence again. The tip of his cig- cigarette uh, winked on off and on. You'll be leaving in the morning, she said dully. I should. I think he's left a trap for me here, just like he left one for you. And at this point forward, it's all addition. Uh, do you really think that number would... If you like your sanity, you don't want, ever want to say that word to Nort, the gunslinger said. Put it out of your head. If you can, if you can teach yourself the number between 18... The number after 18 is 20. Half of 38 is 17. The man who signed himself Walter Adim is a lot of things, but a liar isn't one of them. But mm. when the urge comes, and it's strong, come up here, hide under the quilt, and say it over and over again. Scream it if you have to, until the urge passes. A time will come when it won't pass. The gunslinger made no reply, for he know, knew this was true. The trap had a ghastly perfection. If someone told you you'd go to hell if you thought about seeing your mother naked, once when the gunslinger was very young, he had been told this very thing. You'd eventually do it. And why? Because you didn't want to imagine your mother naked. Because you did not want to go to hell. Because if given a knife and a hand in which to hold it, the mind would eventually eat itself. Not because it wanted to, because it did not want to. Sooner or later, Mm. Allie would call Nort over and say the word. So it's just this self-destructive aspect that's in a person's mind, this uh, death wish, this, you know, standing at the edge of, you know, a tall building and just your mind has that urge to just jump just because, because it's there. Mm-hmm. So that's a very, very Stephen King kind of a, a thought. Yeah, creepy. So at this point, we get back into both versions. Don't go. We'll see. Uh, he goes to sleep. Uh, he'll stay at least for a little while. 
on the edge of sleep, she thought about uh, the way Nort had addressed him in that strange talk. It was the only time she had seen her strange lover express emotion. Even his lovemaking had been a silent thing, and even at the last had his breathing roughened and then stopped for a second or two. It was like He was like something out of a fairy tale or a myth, a fabulous, dangerous creature. Could he grant wishes? She thought the answer was yes, and that she had she would have hers. She would stay. He would stay for a while. That was wish enough for a luckless scarred bitch such, such as she. Tomorrow was time enough to think of another or a third. Uh, she slept. So, clearly in her mind, she's just giving. She sees this silent, emotionless man who the only time he expresses any emotion at all is the surprise and the shock of hearing Dort speak in this other language. And she sees him as this dangerous, uh, fabulous creature. And to be honest, you know, somebody she just had sex with. So she's a little, you know, love drunk, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so and could he grant, grant wishes? She thought that the answer was yes. And that, you know. He would stay, and that was wish enough for her. And she just calls herself, like, a luckless bitch. She's just, she's so down on herself, like, as this entire world has been kind of very destructive and hard, and she has this kind of self-hatred that kind of seems indicative of the entire town. So it's just another thing that she feels so grateful for this just silent stranger who comes into town with his guns and his emotionless, like hard face that she's like, well, I mean, he's here and he's with me. So I guess that's enough. Yeah. Uh, mm. I was just going to agree with everything you said there. Um, I was also going to say that, uh, I don't think the gunslinger would, uh, he's probably pretty good at rolling cigarettes. So I don't think he'd drop any tobacco on her bed. It's pretty meticulous well, guy. <laughs> very, very uh, true. But also the uh, just the thing in there where it says that the man in black is many things, but he's not a liar. Mm. And that's always something that's like, ooh, but is it good that he's not a liar? Or <laughs> true. In this case, horrible truths. Exactly. The the gunslinger is uh, is a very meticulous person, so he's unlikely to spill any tobacco in the bed and it reminds me of one of the earlier descriptions that i don't remember if uh, we highlighted but it spoke of a man who might straighten bad pictures in strange hotel rooms and just this description of the gunslinger being this meticulous almost like halfway between correcting a wrong and being a little bit anal retentive kind of description yeah. of him so sort of o ocd a little yeah exactly yeah so just wanted That's to... why we were saying that the gunslinger might be on the spectrum a bit. The yeah, autism spectrum. precisely. <laughs> uh, okay, so basically they just unpacked her story real quick before going to bed. Mm -hmm. And now it's in the morning, section nine. Section nine. So she makes him some grits. He eats without even thinking about it. Uh, without thinking about her, hardly even seeing her. So we see what she thinks of the gunslinger, and then he eats without thinking about her or even seeing her. So yeah. it's a sad, sadly one-sided one relationship. Uh, yeah, to which, him, this is a, a one-night stand. Exactly. To him, yeah. this is a business yeah. transaction. To her, this is a relationship, which is horribly <laughs> sad for poor Allie. Yeah. Uh, so looks up at her. Do you have a map? of the town there isn't enough of it to need a nap map so clearly she's like a map 
look outside you see it <laughs> so i think it said it in the beginning there was there was one main road and then three roads that came off on right angles so right you, you don't need you don't need a map for that it's the letter e <laughs> is it an e or is it kind of more like a like a gear shift where the it's sort of like an h with an extra line down the middle uh that's what yeah, I'm it could be that too yeah, yeah, either sure. way Either way, very simple to get around. There's very simple there's to get around. Three roads in this one horse town or one mule Precisely. town. One mule town. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, so Gunslinger asks no of what's southeast of here. Her smile faded. The desert, just the desert. And what's on the other side of the desert? How would I know? Nobody crosses it. Nobody's tried since I was here. So there's this very sort of mysterious sense of the world that the people here don't know what's uh, on the other side of the desert and they don't even care it's just mm -hmm. it's the desert why would you and but one of the changes from old version to new version instead of just being straight south it's southeast so i noticed that i was like i guess that matters because he changed it but that's such a slight change but i guess mm, it'll matter exactly <laughs> Well, especially so, if you're we'll see. if you were walking and you walked straight south as opposed to southeast, you'd be way off of your destination if you Precisely. kept going the wrong direction. So, <laughs> so we'll see if the you know that direction uh, southeast comes uh, comes back later on. Uh, so let's see. Basically, she doesn't know. She's like. I thought you were going to stay for a little bit, but clearly he's just looking for directions out of town. And he stands up. She's like, where are you going? Uh, uh, wait one second. Wait oh, one sure. second. Uh, do, do, do. So when talking about the desert, yada, yada, then she says the clouds all go that way. It's like suck. It's like something sucks them. Mm. So that was that seemed interesting to me. It's like what is sucking the clouds exactly the clouds are being sucked southeast so keep that image in your mind of just looking up and like clouds are drifting and then as they pass you know sort of the southeast direction in the compass they sort of almost turn in one direction and get sucked in in that way so wow yeah so it's not just so, like the, the regular jet stream just taking our prevailing winds this is not normal basically not, <laughs> this is well <laughs> Or it may just be normal there. Who knows? Yeah, that but could be. in any case, but it's an it's an extra force other than just the winds and the weather. Right, right. So, and that's okay, also a new thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, where oh, are that you was going? a new thing. Yeah. So, he basically goes to the stable. If anybody knows the hostler, will, um, and then he said they basically he leaves and. He says, thank you. And it's this offhand moment that doesn't matter at all to the gunslinger. He's just saying, all right, thanks. And, but then to her, again, it means everything. How long had it been since someone had thanked her? Uh, how long uh, anyone at all, someone who mattered? And ugh, it's just such this... Just she's a sad character. Like, she's, she's such a sad character. This living poor in this alley. Oh. Living in this one horse town. No one town, thanks her. <laughs> tending bar, and that is where we're gonna call it for the for this week. We're ending at the end of uh, section nine. So cool. Indeed. Do, do you so, want to talk real? I, I was thinking maybe at the end of each episode we should say 
where we're going to read up to next time so Ooh, that the good question the listener I mean, can yes, know good answer so there's altogether 21 sections in chapter one so we're about almost halfway so yeah we're exa- well numerically uh in terms of the the sections i should say the the let's see where does section one end in terms of page oh, so, count i think we're a oh, so, little bit further account, further along so the sections get longer i, I got you they do yeah um or am i hmm we might be halfway oh no, no. we're yeah we're we're at about well at least in the my edition of the book is uh is concerned we're about at like two-thirds of the way through this first oh, section okay. so yeah i think first see. chapter first chapter yes 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 <laughs> Um, do you want to just, uh, read to the end of chapter one for next time? Just take it all the way to the end? Yeah, just take it all the way through. Um. Sounds good. Indeed. So we're going straight through and we're, uh, finishing out chapter one, The Gunslinger. Of book one, The Gunslinger. Of the Dark (laughs) Tower, The Gunslinger. (laughs) With our main character, The Gunslinger. (laughs) It's all very confusing. All very confusing. (laughs) But at all least right. consistent. That, that, uh, well, thank you all for joining us here at Chapter Brothers. Uh, you can check us out online at Chapter Brothers on Facebook. All right. And uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. I love you, brother. <laughs> love you too, brother. Bye-bye.